Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With us this week, Terry, first time you on the program with Jeff and I. We're both very excited about it, but I don't want to give too much of a prelude here. Spo- uh, show is sponsored by Yahoo because we're running a little short on time here. It took a, a second to fire up. OBS, no friend of the program. So we're, we're going to just jump right into it. So, guys... We've got the highest total of what I can remember in recent memory in between the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, finally time to let, to let Russ cook. He's off to a great start this season. Are you guys willing to pay up for him? I'm going to start with you, Jeff, uh, since you're the veteran of the program. <laughs> Two weeks in. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, look, I, I really like this game. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take or anything like that. But I think there are a, a variety of ways you can go about stacking it to make yourself a little bit unique. I mean, you've got Russell Wilson going up against a, a Dallas secondary. No Chidobe Awuzie. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf is going out there against boys, quite frankly. Uh, that's a little bit scary in itself, but they also have not been good against guarding the slot. So that's just from, like, a, a game perspective, just, uh, you know, watching these two teams, how they've operated. Neither of them are good against, uh, against the pass. I mean, that's just one side. I'm talking about the Dallas secondary being banged up. I mean, Seattle can't cover anyone in the slot either. So there's going to be lots of points coming on. I'm really excited to see this one. I'm excited to stack it. And, you know, even even if it's going to be like the second shockiest uh, stack on the slate or something, it's still not going to get crazy, crazy amounts of ownership. It's not going to be like 20, 25% or anything on the quarterbacks. So I think you just go there and, and you can definitely differentiate in other spots. Absolutely love it. Uh, love the Metcalf stack. Like I said, you can go both wide receivers. And I really think uh, a way to differentiate is throw Chris Carson in with your with your Russell Wilson stack. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's pretty interesting here is as high as the total is for this game, Wilson is even close to being projected as the highest owned quarterback this week. He's second, but number one is actually Kyler Murray. So, Terry, I'll throw it to you. If we're comparing Russell Wilson to Kyler Murray, who do you prefer this week? And does the ownership of Kyler Murray scare you away at all? Because project for almost 25 percent, that's easily the highest owned quarterback we've seen so far this year. Yeah, and I think that's really where the key is going to come down is on that heavy, heavy ownership. You know, we've got a great projection on both QBs. It's going to be tough to say that you're going wrong on either one, but uh, I just really like Russ just to pick up that uh, that differential. He's playing great. Jeff just hit on all the uh, all the buttons there. We've got a huge total in that game. They're throwing the ball a lot, um, you know. So we see uh, we see Arizona throwing the ball a decent amount as well. Uh, Kyler's throwing the ball 39 times a game. We've got Russ is throwing it uh, right around there. So volume wise, it's probably Russ is throwing it. Uh, sorry, 31 and a half times a game. So a little bit less, completing a lot more. Uh, average depth of target is, uh, you know, pretty comparable on those. So they're throwing the ball probably around the same amount of time. I just really like the ownership differential that we'll pick up on Russ, like I said, out of the gate. I don't mind paying a little bit extra for it. So in my QB sim, they're like neck and neck. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to, uh, to go to Russ and I like the receivers there too. So, uh, I think we can definitely make that work. All right. And then Jeff, we look at the other side of the game going up against Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. Also projected to be pretty popular, but not quite in the same stratosphere as Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson. Uh, Prescott rushed for like a million touchdowns last week. He kind of ruined some of the stacks there because every time they got to the one-yard line, instead of throwing it to somebody, he was just rushing it in himself. So do you think that Prescott makes for a decent pivot off of Russell Wilson, or do you just prefer Russ? No, I I definitely am going to have exposure to both sides of this game. Um, You know, generally I will try and take one side and go heavier, but I'm probably going to have almost equal uh, equal exposure here. I mean... Um, you know, you mentioned Dak, but uh, going out, you know, getting the, the rushing touchdowns. And and I, I think that's going to be something that you kind of see throughout the, the season. I mean, I, I definitely feel like, you know, with, just with the way the, the Cowboys defense is going to be playing, you're going to see Dak taking off a little bit more. And 
you know, Terry mentioned the, the ownership differential between Kyler and, and Russ, but it's even bigger between Kyler and Dak. I mean, uh, Dak right now on, on the, the Osmo ownership projections, you can go over and, and you know, you can get a, a pass or whatever for the week and, and take a look at uh, on Osmo.com. You know, he, he's projected to be even lower than, than Russell Wilson, not a ton lower, but a little bit like a couple percent. So um, I like going to the Dak side of it. I mean, again, if, if we're projecting Russell Wilson, to go nuts against the secondary or just Seattle to be the better team. I mean, um, you know, again, just looking at it from a football perspective, I mean, the Seattle secondary, yeah, they had a Quinton Dunbar, Jamal Adams. They have not been good in coverage. They've been brutal against slot receivers. You know, the connection with CD Lamb is already there. Um, I think Amari Cooper is in a very winnable matchup. Like Dunbar has not played good. This is not a secondary who's shutting down people at all. So even if the Cowboys do get blown out a little bit, there's going to be a lot of yards there. Uh, I could easily see Dak going for 400 again. So I'm, I'm absolutely in on Dak. The only thing I'd say is maybe a little bit more bust potential. Like maybe the four isn't quite as good because I do feel like there's a chance Seattle blows them out a little bit. Maybe their secondary does get on track in this game. But I think that's just me speaking from a football perspective. I think the projections say this is a, a really, really great spot for Dak. So. So, Terry, if we move down some of the ownership projections, we see some of the lesser-owned quarterbacks. One guy that kind of stands out to me with upside, and I know he's somebody you had a lot of success with last week, Josh Allen projected to be one of the lower-owned starting quarterbacks, and it's kind of where his price range is, right? I mean, he's, he's right in that same tier as Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, who are all projected to pick up a lot of ownership. Uh, let's consider you the, the Josh Allen whisperer of the show here. <laughs> so, so let's get your take here. How do you feel about Josh Allen as a contrarian play this week? Man, that's a that's a uh, title I'm happy to take on with the way this guy's playing. So, yeah, I, I'm on him again this week. Uh, he's coming up nicely for me in my QB sim. Uh, and you mentioned it, you, it's really not a lot of people going back to him again. So I think that this offense is going to be one I'm going to be going to a decent amount uh, probably through the year, or at least until people catch up. Alex was talking about uh, Diggs uh, earlier in the week, just not being somebody that people like to roster uh, among the highest uh, you know, level wide receivers. And I kind of agree with that. So I really like what you can do with the stack here. Uh, throwing the ball uh, 40.5 times a game, uh, 727 yards so far for Allen. We know what he can do with his legs. Uh, throwing uh, um, intended air yards uh, per passing attempt is uh, 8.2. So they're throwing a you know, decent amount uh, decent downfield. So really, really like what the offense is doing up there. And I think you can get to most of the receivers. I think you can get to John Brown as well. I had him in my uh, little stack that you mentioned that uh, did well for me last week. So I don't think it's only a, uh, you know, a one-man show as far as the receivers go there. So definitely like the Buffalo stack. Yeah, and a pretty favorable matchup, I think. Well, not necessarily favorable matchup in terms of uh, the actual matchup against the Rams. But I think in terms of game script, it could be it, it could be favorable because if the Bills are going to be behind in that game, I think we're going to see the ball in Josh Allen's hands a whole lot. That can be, lead to more rushing yards, more passes downfield. So I do think he makes for a good contrarian option. Now, Jeff, somebody I saw you mention in the chat before we started the show, uh, maybe your pivot off of Mitchell Trash Bisky this week. You like Daniel Jones this week. Sell me, sell me on DJ. So... Yeah, Daniel Jones is, I mean, look, this is, again, going against every single projection that, that we have going on the site. I mean, this isn't a, this isn't a like a, a projection thing or anything. It, a part of it is, I like it for low, for, for big tournaments. Like you're talking millimaker maker stacks, things like that. A, you don't have to go, you don't have to have much Daniel Jones in your life to get over the field, but you're going to get him at such minuscule ownership that if this does end up working out, um, you know, you've just got a, a, like a 1% play here. And, and there's a couple of things behind it. I mean, look, we know who Daniel Jones is. I mean, he fumbles a lot. He doesn't have a great O-line. Um, you know, the Giants are who the Giants are. But, you know, you look back to last year, the dude had four games with four or more touchdowns. So we know what the upside is, too. I mean, he runs a little bit. Yeah, maybe he doesn't get the rushing touchdowns that Dak does, but he'll he'll put in the, the work on the ground a little bit for you. So the, the upside for the big game is, is contained in Daniel Jones. And you look at San Francisco and how banged up they are. Again, this is more of just like a, a football perspective, looking at what could happen. And, and when teams like this, you know, a banged up team like the 49ers playing on the East Coast second week in a row, they're down Sherman, they're down Bosa. I mean, I, I feel like the Giants skill players, that this is a matchup they could overcome with a banged up offense. I'm talking Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton. You can go with the two or, or three man stack, whatever, but you're getting such low ownership here um, on an upside upside offense, quite frankly, that we know can produce big games with Slayton and, and Ingram can put in like a 100-yard game too that I think it makes sense to just getting a little bit of exposure. And it's pretty easy to come back on the other play. Jarek McKinnon's 4,900. You know, some people I, I see talking about Jeff Wilson Jr. We get to this discussion when we get to running backs. 
Um, but um, I really like coming back with McKinnon. Uh, I, I think it's just a, a stack that's not going to have much ownership. And again, you don't need that much exposure, but I like it. I'm going to roll it out a little bit. Um, you can build around it with some of these other games you we've been talking about too. So uh, I think that for, for cheap quarterbacks, Daniel Jones is going to be my guy. Understand the Josh Allen play. Uh, I'll probably be avoiding him because I, I just respect the Rams defense too much, but completely understand the upside is, is intact with Josh Allen pretty much every week. So. All right. So before we move on, Terry, any other quarterbacks that you want to bring up before we move on to the running backs? I think Matt Stafford is uh, probably one who should be talked about. Uh, it seems like he's getting a little bit ignored on the other side of that game. Uh, and I don't know that it's necessarily justified. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a, a pretty good amount. He's got a great price, uh, especially on FanDuel, 7,300. Uh, he's coming up excellent for me and my Sims. He's right there as far as Alex's projection. Uh, he projects right next to Josh Allen, Russ Wilson, all those guys. So he's very much in play for me. And if that stack's going under-owned, I want to get over the field uh, and, and possibly over the field pretty dramatically on it. Uh, I just think they're going to be slinging the ball all over the place to stay in that game. So that's one that uh, I'm kind of excited to see where the ownership is on that one. And uh, I hope it holds. Yeah, and then, I mean, also we can't forget that Kenny Galladay is supposed to come back this week. He has admitted that he's not 100%. But I think even him out there as a decoy should be able to help Matt Stafford a little bit, should create a little bit more space in the offense for the receiver. So, yeah, it should definitely be a better spot for Stafford this week. So, guys, the show this week, sponsored by Yahoo. Uh, the most trusted name in daily fantasy sports, Yahoo DFS, now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo daily fantasy sports. So now moving on to the running backs. It's pretty interesting this week because there's so much value at running back this week. I mean, there's we've had like half the league is injured already. So what we're seeing in it with a lot of the ownership here is there's a bunch of mid-range to cheap running backs that are picking up a lot of ownership. But who's not picking up a lot of ownership is the guys who usually do pick up a, a bunch of the a bunch of the shares of the field. So Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, these guys are all contrarian plays. Where last week these were some of the most popular plays on the slate. So Jeff, for this week. Do you think it makes sense to just build a different lineup and go to some of these expensive running backs? Are you just going to play? Are you just going to stick to the better per per dollar plays? It, it is interesting. Like Cook, Henry, um, Zeke is still kind of up there, but you're right. Like there, there's not there's not no uber chalk like big uh, running back the after that people are paying up for, right? So you've got probably three or four dudes um, uh, that are that are going to go uh, a little bit under own. I, th I still think Zeke will get up there just because people will be doing game stacks and stuff like that. It looks like he's fourth projected on the site right now, which probably makes about sense in my mind. I, th I think the the guys you, you could be targeting for GPPs, it, it comes down to that Tennessee-Minnesota game, uh, Cook and Henry. So it's kind of how you think that game's going to go. I've seen some people, you know, discussing the Minnesota defense being banged up. I'd probably be a little bit more partial to going to the other side, the Vikings at home and, and kind of just a, a must win spot. I'm not really sold on Tennessee has been looking that good. Again, I'm coming at this just more from a, a statistic, like a, a non kind of just what the projections are saying standpoint, just my own personal feelings. But I, th I think Cook will, will probably go a slightly under owned compared to Henry as well, which makes it interesting. You pair him with the chief Vikings defense. But realistically, both those guys are, are kind of uh, in play for, you know, you're going to get half ownership compared to Miles Sanders. There are cheap running backs you can pair them with, with, with similar upside, you know, Singletary, sub 5K, uh, McKinnon, sub 5K. But yeah, those two guys kind of stand out. I, I'm not sure exactly what I want to do there. I don't really like love the spot, but I, you know, just looking at it from a pure strategy standpoint, um, they're still projecting out okay. And and like the, the ownership from a GPP perspective is it pretty tantalizing. So I'd probably lean towards Cook. Um, you know, Henry has, has looked... Uh, I don't want to say slow to start the year, but they have been a little bit slow getting him going. I know the workload is there and everyone loves the workload, but I think about if, if I'm going to choose between those two, I'm going to go cook. So Terry, the chalk of the week on DraftKings, Miles Sanders is projected at almost 40% ownership. And I, I do think it makes sense. The price is too cheap. And we just considered this was a guy who was, you know, first early second round pick in a lot of drafts this year. And he's priced so much cheaper than the other guys who he was drafted around plus matchup against the Bengals. It makes sense, but does the ownership scare you away of him uh, from him at all? To a degree, um, I, I really, if I'm going to invest in a heavy owned running back, it's going to be more a guy like Zeke, a guy like Cook, who I just have a little bit more history, a little bit more trust built up with. Uh, they're not uh, a guy who's dinged up. There, I like a big, you know, physical, heavy running back who's going to 
be involved in the pass game as well, but really pound the ball on the ground and make things happen that way. So I like getting to a Zeke, a Cook more uh, than I like to a Sanders. And I like getting a little further afield with my running backs. Uh, typically, I'm going to be looking for a guy like, like to me on the board, Jeff hit all the, the marks as far as Cook goes. Uh, but to me, the ownership is really, really appealing. He's looking a lot like uh, Aaron Jones last week to me. And I kind of like to zero in on plays like that when I'm looking for running back. So I will have Sanders, no, no doubt about it. He'll be mixed in. But it's probably a spot where I'm going to get under the field, uh, get a little bit different. And I like to distribute running back a little bit that way and then uh, you know play up some of the uh, different receiving spots. So I'll probably be under, but I do like the spot for him overall. So I think he could have a good game. Uh, the price is pretty decent. So I think I'll definitely be there, but uh, under the field. I will say this too, Greg, before I, I'll give you a chance to speak. Um, the, the, the back I'm really interested in for big GPPs this week is Austin Eckler. Um, you know, you, you talk about Sanders pivoting off someone. I mean, Eckler to me is, is like the very, very sort of natural pivot. He's projecting under 5% ownership basically on the site. I wrote him up this week in, in our in our From the Slot article, which, which kind of previews some of the grades from the Osmo projections. And, um, you know, the projections say like Austin Eckler is, is almost as good a play as Sanders, yet we're getting five, six, seven times ownership on Sanders. So I don't think Miles Sanders is going to outscore Austin Eckler in the spot five times. Uh, you know, like like nine times out of 10 kind of thing. So, you know, going up against the worst rush defense in the league, Herbert, you saw him work a lot better. He got more targets in the past game. Uh, I really like going Austin Eckler in, uh, in GPPs this week. Yeah, and then a spot you mentioned before, Jeff, that I want to go back to you on. You brought up those 49ers, the running back situation. Who would have figured three weeks into the season, Jarek McKinnon would be the last man standing? Of all the of all the injury news in that backfield, Jarek McKinnon is the one guy who's healthy. Uh, I I do agree with you. I think that uh, you alluded to this before, that he is the overall best play in the backfield. I do have a little bit of concerns about Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, so how much work do you actually expect Jarek McKinnon to get this weekend? I, look, he might only get 50% of the snaps. Like, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think there's there's legitimate workload concerns. But, I mean, I, I don't really – I mean, we've, we've seen guys, and it's very much like an Eckler-Kelly situation in, 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 in the Chargers backfield. I don't care if Jeff Wilson takes 50% of the snaps because Jarek McKinnon is going to get the pass game work. He's the way more explosive player. Uh, again, he's been talked up by his teammates. He's an absolute mismatch in the pass game. That's who I want. I want the explosive player, especially going up against the Giants, right? So, and this is one of those spots that I just don't understand right now. Jeff Wilson Jr. looking like he's going to be projected for at least double the ownership of McKinnon. I, I don't get it. Like why, why I just, I, I don't think that's, so I, I'm I'm maxing out Jarek McKinnon shares this week. You know, if he busts me, busts me. But um, I don't see who else the 49ers can turn to. This is their explosive player now. Um, this is uh, this is who I think they're going to run their offense through. So I'm going to take uh, take advantage. You know what's good about McKinnon is even with all the time off, all the injuries, he's still been pretty efficient this year. We aren't seeing him play, you know, a ton of snaps. But when he's getting the ball, especially through through the air, he's making plays. I think he finished with what was it, like three catches for 73 yards last year. So. I think there's huge upside there. And I agree with you that at least for the ownership, I don't really get why there's a split there earlier in the week when, when I wrote my slam go article at osmo.com, I, I had written up Jarek McKinnon as, as one of my favorite running back plays. And I just assumed he was going to be chalk at that time earlier in the week. And I'm, I'm pretty surprised that that's, that's not the case. Devin Singletary coming up with no Zach Moss is going to just, just cut his ownership more. So really liking McKinnon uh, the way he's projecting right now. Yeah, that, that's a good point too. And I'll ask you about Singletary uh, here, Terry. So since, since you are our, our resident Buffalo Bills guy, now that we have Zach Moss out, Devin Singletary looks like he's going to play the majority of the snaps. Obviously, no Frank Gore. It, it kind of seems like in the past there's always been some way that the Bills have managed to not give Singletary just, you know, a, a massive snap share. Is this finally the time that we see uh, Devin Singletary play a ton and put up a big fantasy game? Well, I'd have to think so. Somebody's going to have to run the ball. Somebody's going to have to catch it out of the backfield for him. I mean, Allen's not going to just take off with it every play or fling it down the field, so... Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a really good spot. He's a back I was kind of getting to a little bit uh, with, uh, you know, just on um, pure uh, projection and everything. So, yeah, knowing with no Moss there and all, uh, I definitely think it's going to be a heavy, heavy volume game for the kid. I really like the price on him on uh, FanDuel. Uh, looking over at DraftKings, it's, uh, yeah, a very favorable price on DK as well. So I definitely think we can get there. And uh, I like what he opens up as far as uh, what he does with some of that salary. So, yeah, he'll be firmly in play for me. And then uh, what's interesting on the, uh, the San Francisco one that you guys were just talking about is uh, if we look at our projections from the site, Alex does seem to be leaning into the other side of that one. Uh, he's got uh, McKinnon down 
a little bit. And he's got Wilson projected as the higher of the two, just in pure raw projection. Uh, that flies in the face of what uh, some of the other sites. I have a little board here that has a couple of other site projections that we won't talk about uh, and then does an average. So we're the highest on, uh, on Jeff Wilson as of uh, my last update, just with Alex's raw projection on that. So I think that's an interesting little wrinkle in that discussion. Uh, the other thing I'll say uh, before we move on to talk about some other players is that right now the free content on Osmo.com is the NFL projection. So if you guys want to follow along, go check out the sites you were talking about. We talk about these, these players and what they're projected for. It's free, so go check it out. You can follow along and maybe ask us some questions about what we think about some of the individual player projections for this week. Uh, so now, Jeff, as we move on here, a guy that we were both on last week didn't really perform particularly well, and I'm really shocked how highly he's projecting this week. Kenyon Drake is projected to be the second highest owned running back on DraftKings this week. I don't really get it. I understand we both liked him last week, and it is a good spot for him. The price tag is right. But I don't know why he justifies being a guy who's owned in over 30% of lineups. Why do you think that he's projected this highly in terms of ownership? Yeah, it, I mean, I, I'm kind of conflicted on him. I mean, I want to get exposure because, you know, it, it's, a, it's a natural pivot off of a chalky Kyler Murray, right? Like when you get a quarterback over 15%, which we don't get that often, um, but I think you'll probably get it with, with Murray this week. You know, the natural pivot is take the RB and hope the RB gets all the touchdowns. And at some point, these touchdowns are going to flip. I mean, look, Kyler Murray is going to have a massive rushing year this year. And, you know, fading him is, is like take your life in your own hands kind of thing, I think, week to week. But um, at some point, Drake's going to get in a couple times in the game, and it could definitely be this week. But um, this is still a player who's losing a few snaps to Chase Edmonds. His quarterback is rushing for a lot of touchdowns it doesn't necessarily mean this is the week. This is the actual week where he gets in. So I like Kenyon Drake. Um, I definitely want a piece of, you know, the Arizona offense in, in this matchup. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of the, the best projected matchups on the slate, obviously for DFS, but you're right. That ownership is up there, man. Like this is not a sneaky play at all. Uh, people are not pivoting off him just because of the Kyler thing. They're actually just, you know, sort of going more gung ho. And I really think it speaks to the fact there's just not a Christian McCaffrey out there that people are just like, I got to get this guy in my lineup. So they're just going double, you know, they're, they're going double 6K basically or double, you know, mid-range uh, RB instead with Sanders and Drake. And I guess that makes a lot of sense, especially with the matchup. So um, I think it's more of just sort of a, a, a natural thing where people are just sort of all kind of congregating into the same spot with their builds. Um I don't know what to say though, because I, I really do. I, I, I like, you know, the spot is good. He is getting touches at least like he's getting over 20 touches. We saw his touches go up, um, but there, there's a, there's a big bus factor. And if, if someone came up to me and said like, this is a really good fade spot, I can't sit here and say, I disagree with it because um, Edmonds is involved. Kyler's running near the goal line. There's a ton of bus potential here. So um, kind of conflicted on Drake this week, but you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, if you want exposure to this game, Kenyon Drake is, is a big piece that you should probably be getting exposure to. So, You know what's one thing that's really weird to me is how many times have we ever seen a quarterback is the highest projected on quarterback on a slate, and then his running back is the second projected highest on running back. It really doesn't make sense to me. Are, yeah. are people really going to be running out a ton of GPP lineups with Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake? Because that seems pretty – it, it seems really crazy to me, especially considering how much we've seen Kyler Murray run the ball this year. It, it seems, and now, and now, of course, it's going to be the first touchdown of the game. It's going to be a Kyler Murray screen pass to Kenyon Drake. They're going to run 80 yards for a touchdown. So, Terry, <laughs> do you see any logic in rostering Drake with Murray together in a significant way, especially considering how much of the field is playing them? Yeah, so that's something I focus on a lot at the site is, uh, you know, how these groups come together in uh, in our optimizers and things like that. And I put out a column on uh, Friday morning and then, uh, again, uh, updated on Sunday. Drake is a tricky one because I mean, Edmonds is chewing up more of the target share out of that backfield, uh, running more routes. So uh, it's, it's tricky to roster them together. You're going to be able to do it in some spots because like Jess said, you do want to be able to pick up some of that touchdown upside. If it really, really goes off and this game shoots out, like we kind of expect it to, there could be enough volume there for him to get in once or twice, put up a decent enough score, maybe break off a long run and have a good game still out of Kyler Murray and one of the receivers. Um, it's just trying to thread a pretty particular, pretty thin needle if you go that approach. There are backs that I like to pair with their quarterback better than him uh, in that spot. So I don't necessarily know that that's one for me. He would be somebody that I would be sure to limit uh, as I'm going through and uh, you know going through my filter, going through my sort, and limit the amount of times that I get to that specific combination. 
All right. So one final situation here that I definitely want to talk about before we move on. I'm surprised that Mike Davis isn't projecting for all that much ownership. Uh, maybe that's because of uh, all the other value we have there. Mike Davis was priced up a little bit ahead of time with the news that Christian McCaffrey is going to be out. Uh, I assume we first got ownership projections that Mike Davis was going to be a guy who's going to be 20 to 30 percent own but instead i mean we're seeing mike davis projected for five percent ownership so jeff do you think mike davis is is a legitimate contrarian play this week i mean he, he got a ton of work in the passing game last weekend yeah could definitely be could definitely end up like that i mean look there's a lot of spots like that where um just just because of the workload situations and the injuries i mean guys like mike davis could just easily pop up and they're not getting much talk. They're not getting talked about much because of matchups or whatever, but it's much, it's very much a James Robinson situation for, you know, for Jacksonville on, on Thursday, the offense just might run through Mike Davis, even if we don't want it to, you know, it, it just might end up doing that because the Panthers are that bad. Right. I mean, and, and if the chargers pass rush start getting going, uh, could just see Mike Davis take a bunch of dump offs and, you know, realistically, you kind of look at the giants might be in a bit of a similar situation with whoever they throw at a running back. But it's a little bit easier to project in Carolina because it's probably going to be mostly Mike Davis, right? So um, I, I definitely understand the upside there. I mean, again, if you're not sold on Singletary and the Bills, which I kind of get because, like you said, Greg, they just seem to find ways to limit his snaps one way or the other. So um, I, I get it. I mean, I, I think Mike Davis is definitely in play. Um, I haven't really made a, a decision if, if I'm just going to limit myself completely or, or not use him. But um, I, I can't sit here and say that there isn't like a good – there isn't a, a, a shot where okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes ChumbaCasino.com. No you know, he, he, he produces some kind of James Robinson like game, right? So um, I, I think he's in play for that. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in it because it's still the Panthers and, and um, you know, they're like, like the Chargers are, are a pretty superior team, but it could happen for sure. All right. So Terry, before we move on to the wideouts, uh, obviously Saquon Barkley out for the season for the Giants. That's a messy situation. They just brought in Devontae Freeman, and then we've got, you know, well, Gallman, who wasn't even active last week, Deion Lewis. Is there anybody that stands out to you in that situation? And if not, are there any other contrarian running backs you're looking at this weekend? As far as the Giants running game, I think maybe the San Francisco defense against it stands out more. Uh, okay. I, I, as a Giants fan, uh, just, you know, kind of anecdotally watching Wayne Gallman play, I don't think there's much there. Uh, we saw Lewis get a, a reasonable amount of uh, volume after uh, Saquon went out. But again, I don't think he's a, a feature back, a bell cow kind of a guy. I don't think Devonta Freeman's going to be spun up in the system yet. So I kind of with Jeff on that game. I think they're going to be throwing the ball. I think it's more Daniel Jones game, grab one of the receivers and uh, hope for the best. Grab two of the receivers if you really got guts. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think I'm off the running game in that one for the most part. Um, you mentioned Mike Davis. I was thinking that that might be a little bit of a sneaky spot just based on the volume we saw for him last week coming in. Uh, certainly, you know, not McCaffrey. Uh, it's a very big role to fill. He's not going to fill it, but he could see a decent game there. Uh, and I think Joe Mixon might be in play. He's another guy who high-end running back, uh, high-end performer, hasn't necessarily gotten a ton done for us now. Good price and not getting a ton of attention. Uh, so that's one I might zero in on a little bit and uh, start peeling back, see what it gets to, gets me to in uh, certain combinations as I'm crunching. All right. So moving on to the wideouts now. Uh, like we said, this Cowboys, uh, the, the Cowboys-Seahawks game is going to have a ton of points scored, a 57-point total the last I looked. So I think one thing we have to nail down here, Jeff, is who are the top wide receivers starting? I think there are a ton of them we can consider, but who are who are your favorite ones on each side of the game? So for me, again, I mean, it comes down to a little bit of two things. The, the Cowboys secondary being banged up, I think that really opens up the field for, for a DK Metcalf stretch, stretch pass game, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and the other factor is he's almost, he's over 10%, projecting with under 10%, ownership compared to Tyler Lockett. So he's projecting around 15%, whereas Lockett's about 10% higher than that. So, um, you know, it's just a situation where I look at it, I'm like, I, I got to take advantage of this. So, uh, I, you know, on the other side, um, I, I, this is another situation which I don't really get. Um, you know, CeeDee Lamb projecting with close to half the ownership of Michael Gallup. 
Um, CD Lamb has been the number two there. Michael Gallup is basically playing an outside kind of stretch the field role. Um, is it a role that could pay off in this game? Yeah, it could. But, you know, realistically, you look at where Seattle's really been giving it up. The slot has been absolutely horrible for them. Um, I think in this game, too, against the, like, you know, Jamal Adams bringing pressure, that's probably where Dak is going to be dumping off a lot of his passes. So I really like CD Lamb in the spot. I do like Amari Cooper for a big game, too. I will say that. If I'm taking two, if I'm going to stack uh, Dak with two guys, it'll be Cooper and it'll be Lamb. I think Cooper's in a winnable matchup. Like I said, Dunbar's not look good. Um, but, you know, for me, like Gallup, uh, I don't get this ownership on Gallup. I don't get it at all. Maybe I'll be completely wrong. This is the game he explodes. I do not get that. I, I think that is, it, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I like I like Lamb over over Gallup. And actually, when we talk about our favorite stack of the week, uh, th- there's a chance I'll bring him up at the, at the end of the show. Uh, so, Terry... I'm going to have to ask you about another Cardinals guy here because DeAndre Hopkins is projected to have a ridiculous amount of ownership this week. I think it kind of makes sense just because we don't really have a lot of those other high-end receivers on the slate. And then we also have Julio Jones is questionable to play. But DeAndre Hopkins at 30% ownership. I think in cash games, you kind of have to play him just because of what his uh, target share has been in the first couple weeks of the season. But in terms of GPPs, how much Hopkins are you willing to play? Not as much as we have him projected at as public ownership. Uh, we'll start it that way. Uh, going uh, well over 38, uh, uh, well over 30 on uh, DK. He's around 38 on uh, FanDuel, what I have here. Um, so, yeah, typically when there's a receiver going off at that level of ownership, I'm going to come in. I'm not going to cut DeAndre Hopkins out of my life by any means, but I'm comfortable. If the public's going to be at 38, I'm more a FanDuel player. I'll be at 25, 28, somewhere in that range. And I'll spread that extra percentage to some of the other guys who I consider on that tier with him who are going way less owned. Uh, I like getting, especially with an event-based position like receiver, which it very much is, it's volume-based to you know predict how much these guys are going to get, but it's event-based when they catch it. It's like hitting a home run in baseball, catching a long uh, touchdown pass. So I'm going to spread out, try and get to some of those other high-end receivers uh, we've got uh, like a Calvin Ridley going uh, very under-owned, I think, uh, and, Alvin, and Alan Robinson, uh, even an Odell Beckham uh, is getting no respect on uh, on either side. Uh, so I like spreading out to some of those guys and not getting as focused on the uh, highest end uh, or the highest owned uh, high-end wide receivers. Yeah, so I think you made a good point there bringing up Calvin Ridley, but there, there is also another factor that we have to bring in here. And, and Jeff, I'll go to you on this is, Julio Jones is questionable to play. And I kind of wish we would have known how serious the hamstring injury was before last week, because it was kind of a thing where all of a sudden just during the game, he was clearly not totally hundred percent. And then after the game, he said, yeah, I didn't really practice much last week. My hamstring was bothering me, but he didn't think it was going to be a big deal. It still seems like there's a chance that Julio Jones is going to play this week. If he does, he's going to have almost no ownership given that we all know about the injury situation he's dealing with and just how bad he was last week. So how do you feel about Julio Jones? Let's assume that he's active for starters what would you feel about Julio Jones and rostering him if he is active ahead of Sunday and we find out that, you know, he, he's going to, I mean, we know he's not going to be 100%, but when we find out that he's, we get one of those things that he's going to try to play or one of those weird injury updates that kind of gives us no good information. Yeah, so I actually think Julio out there would, would it would it would make me more confident Calvin Ridley, to be honest, um, from the perspective of, I, I don't really want Calvin Ridley acting as the wide receiver one in this offense. Like you, you look at what he's done the first two weeks. It hasn't been as the wide receiver one. It's it's been as Julio Jones's wingman, right? Um, it opens up the field for him. He's not he's not a big dude like like Julio Jones who can just go over bigger cornerbacks like the team's number one cornerbacks and, and just go up and get the ball. He kind of relies more on just stretching the field. I I would I, I would be more confident in Calvin Ridley coming through in this game with Julio Jones on the field. So Julio being out actually would put me down on Calvin Ridley if that makes any sense. That, that's the way I'm looking at this game. Um, I, if, if Julio's out, I'm not going to touch Calvin Ridley. If Julio's in, I'll actually consider Calvin Ridley in the spot because I think that's going to shift a little bit more coverage away from Ridley again. So I'm not considering Julio Jones as all as a play. I get that. I get the perspective like one percent ownership, whatever. Um, I'm fine. Just, you know, if Julio if it banged up, you know, one hamstring Julio Jones beats me today, like this week, I, I can, I can live with that. Like, I'm not going to go, um, you know, throwing a bunch of like a, a lineups on him. So um, I get it. It, it. it could work out. And maybe we get like a more favorable report on him Sunday than, than I I'm making it out to be, but um, I just, I don't feel the need there. 
So, Terry, I know you said earlier one of the contrarian quarterbacks that you really liked was Matt Stafford. I do like that call. I think that game is going to be really up-paced. There's going to be a lot of points scored. One thing that's pretty interesting looking at the ownership, Kenny Galladay does project to be one of the highest-owned wide receivers on the slate right now. He's also admittedly not 100%. So I'm looking at Marvin Jones as a potential good contrarian play there. Uh, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be killed by Kenny Galladay being back. How do you feel about those wide receivers on the Lions, and do you think Marvin Jones makes for a better GPP play than Kenny Galladay? For sure. Yeah, I'll have some Kenny, of course. I, I think he'll be mandatory in stacks, especially if he's, you know, when we hear the actual news going into the game in the morning, we'll probably hear that he's closer to 100% than he's let on and blah, 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 all that fun stuff. So I think that ownership share is probably a little high for a guy coming back from injury, um, and I'm not comfortable going to that uh, degree with him. Uh, I'm much more intrigued by the ownership on Marvin. I like the price on him. Uh, I think he's an excellent wideout. We've seen him succeed in this offense. So I'm very excited to get to him as a big part of my stacks and what I'm doing there. Uh, I think there's plenty of room to get to Hawkinson in uh, stacks as well at tight end. So I think between those two, there's not much ownership going there. So with the amount that I expect this team to be passing, starting builds with uh, a Stafford, uh, you know, Hawkinson, Marvin, or even uh, you know, throwing Amendola in there, somebody like that, get a little bit different. Don't just go to Galladay. Don't just go to the guy who's coming back from injury who is telling us that he's not going to be a uh, full, uh, full go in this game. I like what we can do with this offense a lot. It's it's a very similar situation to Atlanta. Like I love Marvin Jones more with Kevin Gall Kenny Galladay in the lineup. And if Galladay is not a hundred percent, not going to be soaking up as many targets. I think it's a brilliant spot to put like Stafford. Cause I agree with Terry stake on Stafford getting overlooked and pairing with Marvin Jones. And, you can come, and then, then you get a unique stat. Like if you want to bring Kenyon Drake back on the bit on the other side, you're getting a unique Detroit stack to pair him with. So makes a lot of sense there. Uh, so I'm going to address a question that somebody tagged us on in the Osmo Premium chat. Is He asked, uh, can you touch on having Hopkins, Murray, and Drake in the same lineup in DK Cash? Yeah, for Cash, I definitely think you want to do it. He's going to be, Murray's going to be the highest on quarterback. Hopkins is going to be the highest on wide receiver. Drake is going to be the second highest on running back. The price tags are all right on them. In GPPs, I think there's a little bit of negative correlation if you're playing all of those guys together. But just because of what the prices are, the ownership is. In Cash, I definitely think that's the optimal play to start your lineup, and then you build around there. So... I have no issue with that in cash. Now, guys, we have, we have a good deal up on Osmo.com now. We've got something new. It's called the Express Pass. So if you want to get all the great tools we have on Osmo.com, for only $3.95, you can get all of them together in one Express Pass. So maybe you just want to try out the tools. You don't want to commit to a full season. You just want to see what it's all about. Get the Express Pass for one week. It's going to include the NFL Showdown single-game contest stuff. You get all of the uh, projections for the full slate for the showdown slate, ownership projections, top plays tool. When you purchase the pass, in addition, you get the player rankings, lineup tool, ownership rankings, top stacks, express tool. It's our best offering for an express pass. Head over to awesomeo.com. Join today to purchase the express pass. It's only $3.95. So test it out. Maybe even thinking about getting an owner, uh, a, a membership, but you don't want to necessarily commit to an entire year at once. Try it out for $3.95 and see how you like it. See what you feel about the tools. And I have a feeling you're going to like it, and then you're going to want to, uh, double down and get the pass for the rest of the season. So moving on to the tight ends, uh, George Kittle once again out. And one of the most frustrating things I found about last week was I really liked Jordan Reed earlier in the week. I thought he looked like he was a, a tight end in a terrific situation. And then we got that, that, that Kyle Shanahan soundbite on Sunday morning where he said that, hey, Jordan Reed only played 10 snaps last week, and I don't really view him as a guy we're going to play too much more than that. We want to want to work him in. So I had I had, I had had Jordan Reed as my highest owned tight end last week, and then I went to zero shares of, of, of Jordan Reed at tight end after reading that. So, Terry, how do you feel about Jordan Reed this week, plus matchup against the Giants, and once again, George Kittle out? Yeah, I think it's uh, it'll probably be a spot where now we'll, we'll weave that way and they'll not throw to him at all and he'll have a complete <laughs> bust of the game. Of course, that's just how these things tend to work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Giants have struggled against the position for as long as I can remember as a Giants fan. Uh, they just tend to give up big plays to that position. And he's a guy who can pull that off by it's still at this point in his career. So I like the price on it. Uh, I, it's not drawing a, uh, a tremendous amount of ownership, it doesn't look like, in my last uh, my last update here. So as an inexpensive guy and as a potentially sneaky guy to bring back against like a Dan, uh, Daniel Jones stack, I think that could work well. Uh, it could be very interesting. I'm not leaning into the San Francisco passing game necessarily. So that might be a guy that I'm, uh, that I'm looking for uh, to, to come back in that stack. So that makes a lot of sense there. 
So, Jeff, on the high end of tight end, we've got Darren Waller's projected to be uh, pretty popular. Same as Zach Ertz. Those are the only two tight ends that are really garnering a ton of uh, attention. Darren Waller seemed like he got targeted on every play when the Raiders played on primetime last week. So I, I could see how he ends up being popular here. How do you feel about the two most popular tight ends, Zach Ertz, Darren Waller, and do you have a preference between the two? So Waller, Waller is is going to be a beast this year. I mean, the the, the offense for the Raiders, are, are, is that it's absolutely flowing through Darren Waller. So you, you, the, the thing this week is it's obviously it's the Patriots. They've already come out and said, like, we're, we're going to stop Darren Waller this week. So, Look, it's, it's it's the same thing with Shanahan. Great. It's just speak in the media. I mean, who knows what's actually going to happen in the game. The, the Raiders aren't going to stop throwing to Waller. But, you know, if, if things do get shut down, I mean, they do have other options, right? I mean, they have a couple pass-catching running backs. They have they do have some wide receivers who haven't got a ton of targets yet, Brian Edwards, et cetera. Um, I, I'm not high on the Raiders just as a team this week. I think it's a tough spot, short week. Now they're flying to the Patriots who, you know, who have actually looked pretty good in two games. And are coming in off a loss and, and obviously want the home win. So I think I think looking at those two, probably taking the discount, going to Ertz is, is, is fine. Um, I really do feel like it's a week though to, to either get a little like really contrarian at tight end or just go with, the, with some of these Chiefs guys because you've got Logan Thomas uh, going up against Cleveland who has been absolutely brutal, just allowing receptions left and right to the tight end position. I absolutely think Cleveland is going to be one of those teams where we look at the end of the year, yeah, I should have just played the tight end against Cleveland every week. Um, Thomas is getting eight or nine targets every week. So um, definitely do not mind that play. But for GPPs, you've got like Jordan Akins, uh, Drew Sample, um, you know, and, and you can even go down and get a little crazier. I like going, I like going to Evan Ingram, man. He's leading, he's leading the Giants in targets. He's leading the Giants in red zone targets. I really feel like a big game is coming for him. Now he's going up against a banged up uh, San Francisco defense. So I think for GPPs, going down to, to Ingram this week is, is a is a savvy play. I think for those top two guys, especially for cash games, probably lean Ertz. So, Terry, last week, the popular cheap tight ends were Logan Thomas. He kind of stunk. Chris Herndon, he kind of stunk. Uh, the one who really stood out was Mo Cox, but we've got Jack Doyle back, so that kind of takes him out of play. So, Terry, which cheap tight ends outside of Jordan Reed do you really think stand out this week, if any? Uh, let's see on the cheap side of things, cheap is tricky. Uh, so it is, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, Engram comes up at 59. That's a few pegs down from some of the guys, uh, looking at FanDuel pricing, uh, similar on, uh, on DK. So I do like that call from Jeff for sure. Uh, I mentioned Hawkinson earlier, uh, 54 on uh, FanDuel 53 on DK drawing some ownership on FanDuel, uh, unless that's changed since my last update, uh, a lot less ownership on uh, DK. So I like him a little bit better over there. Uh, guy who's not inexpensive, but I was eyeballing again because he did uh, well for me uh, in uh, the last couple of weeks is uh, Tyler Higby. Uh, I think he's in a good spot again. Um, just going down the list here, uh, maybe something wacky with like, a, I mean, just going with Jeff's concept kind of, of just you know spreading out a lot of tight end because I do think it's that kind of week here. Maybe get something with like an Eric Ebron in that Pittsburgh offense. Pick something off with him. He's only at 4,700, not drawing very much ownership at all. So projects okay for Alex. Uh, you know, he's not uh, blowing things up by any means, but uh, certainly a guy we've seen succeed, guy with size uh, that we like there. So a couple of uh, inexpensive tight ends, but yeah, nobody really, really lighting it up for me for uh, from the cheap side. It looks like a week where I'm just going to be spreading a lot and uh, letting Fanny Cruncher make some decisions for me there. Tyler Higby's ownership this week, I feel like we could be looking back and be like, oh my God, like Tyler Higby was like 1% owned this week. I mean, the Rams going back to last year, they like they have switched to a 12 personnel offense. They, they are getting the tight end involved. And it just feels like people just don't want to believe that Tyler Higby is good. I mean, I, I, I'm not really, I'm not sure if I'm going to use him either. So I'm going to be involved in this group. I'm just saying from a, like a bigger picture perspective, when are, when are people going to get on Tyler Higby? I mean, it, it seems weird that like, you know, we, we've, we saw them just, chuck the ball to him against Philly, who's actually like a pretty good team guarding against tight ends and, and people still won't get on him. So interesting situation. I know the price is up. It's a big factor, but. Yeah, that's, that's what, a bandwagon I've been on and uh, going to be on again. So yeah, yeah. I, like, I like that Higby one and I like him coming back as the, uh, as the player, the return player against. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going Buffalo static, yeah, I absolutely like that. That, that play. Too, yeah. Well, I will say this. Tyler Higby is by far my most exposed tight end in best ball. So if he's going to catch two to three touchdown passes every week, I am 
I'm going to I'm going to enjoy that very much. And I have all the Tyler Higby and best ball <laughs> and, and yeah, Alex loved them in the best ball rankings coming into the season too. I actually ended up with them in most of my best balls. I only did a few, but I've got them in a few season longs too. So yeah, Team Osimo is all over Tyler Higby. Yeah, definitely, definitely a strong start for him. So moving on to my least favorite position in all of fantasy, we have the DSTs. I said before, I always like to mix and match with with the defenses. I think it's such a difficult uh, position to project. Uh, back in the day, we used to have the kickers on Fanduel. That was a total nightmare. And now we've got the DSTs. And I always say, here's the one thing with defense. It's just please don't have one team score two touchdowns and just ruin the entire slate where you just have one team that's like the Patriots last week. They score a touchdown every week and just destroy every single slate. Uh, Terry, is there any defense you look at that really stands above the other ones that you think has a chance to break the slate this weekend? Yeah, you know, I treat defense pretty much the way you were just describing. So I, I set heavy randomness on it, and I kind of fire away and uh, just let my percentages dictate and uh, let the pricing fall and set, you know, who's going to fit into my different lineups. So just looking and going purely by Alex's projections here, I think the Browns at 3,900 make a heck of a lot of sense. They're obviously drawing a ton, a ton of ownership, though. Uh, so if you're playing cash, that's probably your defense there. Uh, but for GPPs, I think we can definitely go to the more expensive teams like the Niners and the Steelers uh, toward the top of the board there at no ownership. Uh, I think those two teams make a bunch of sense and then get down to uh, like, I think the bucks are in play against the, uh, against the Broncos with, uh, with Driscoll at the QB spot. They're not very expensive at just 3,800 drawing a pretty good projection there. Similar story with the giants uh, only at 3,600. Not what I would call a very respectable defense, but not going up against like the most intimidating offense in the world. So those are teams, while I'm not going to push them in the lineups, I might allow a little bit more uh, wiggle room on the uh, ownership caps to let those value teams uh, jump in. And I, I typically lean more into value defense than I do into uh, real pay up unless it's a really, really strong spot. Yeah, the Giants situation is pretty uh, interesting. I hadn't really thought about them until you, until you just brought it up. But it's, I mean, this is a real situation of the stoppable force against the movable object, right? I mean, we've got the terrible Giants defense going up against Nick Mullins. Something's got to give, right? One of, one of the sides has to win out. So I think you kind of could make a case for the Giants defense. Uh, talking about the 49ers, I know that they have Bosa out, but it, the Giants offensive line is so bad. Daniel Jones, who, even though I agree with both of you guys that he is a decent uh, GPP play, but still, we look at Daniel Jones. It seems like every week he he can't get by without throwing a bad interception. He's going to fumble at some point. And given how bad the Giants' offensive line is, I think the 49ers' defense still makes a lot of sense on this slate because I, I always want to get some exposure picking on the Giants. Uh, Jeff, are there any defenses that stand out to you? So there's a couple plays I, I like. I mean, I mentioned the Vikings, and it, it's risky. But, you know, the Vikings at home under Mike Zimmer have, have traditionally been a lot better uh, you know, top five in limiting points at home. I'm just not sold on the Titans being that good. I mean, a couple, like, you know, they just both lost to Jacksonville, right? Like, so again, it's kind of more of just a, a football, what I've seen kind of play. Uh, I think the Vikings will bounce back this week and they're really cheap. That's the main thing, right? I mean, you're getting a cheap home defense. It's actually a pretty close spread. So I'm okay eating a little bit of Vikings and GPPs. They're not going to be highly owned. Uh, I actually kind of like Atlanta. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm pulling like the whole, like, you know, 360 here or 180 because uh, I'm going to up against my boy Mitch Trubisky but I mean look like the, the Bears offense they're lucky to be 2-0 like they're they're extremely lucky to be 2-0 right and and they did not look good last week so Falcons at home I mean uh, you know obviously coming off an emotional loss but could be a big bounce back spot again though getting a, a close game a, a team that's actually favored at home I don't mind that with no ownership I like the interesting play here. I think there's two. I, I really like the Patriots defense. Uh, I, I really do. Again, I already went over why I don't like the Raiders this week. Short week, yada, yada, yada. It's just, it's just a good spot. Really like the Patriots defense. The, the, the highest projected DST on this slate is the Colts. They're projecting for like four under 4% ownership. So I kind of like getting up to them in the spot. Um, I, again, I'm like, I'm like you guys. I, I don't ever like to do this, but I am going to take a couple GPP lineups and pay up for the Colts because this is such a bad New York Jets offense. I don't think they're going to score any points and I think it could get super ugly. So uh, I could see the, the Colts defense, which is actually projecting out really good um, so far in terms of all the metrics, definitely one of the top five defenses in the league right now. Um, I, I could see them going nuts at, at home and just winning this game like 36 to three or something. So uh, I think that's an interesting play in GPPs. I think there is enough value too. Like, you know, those those receivers in the Seattle game, we haven't even talked about guys like T.Y. Hilton, or if you're going to use Daniel Jones as your QB, there, there, there's enough cheap, just 
cheap upside value out there that you can do it and still make good lineups. So I like trying to, to get up to the Colts actually in, in GPPs this week. Dramatically different ownership on the Colts, just uh, for people out there uh, on uh, FanDuel and DK. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. to throw that out. Yep. Good call. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking, I'm obviously talking mainly about DraftKings. Yep. Yeah. FanDuel, different story for sure. All right. So Terry, here's how we close the show out. We each give out our favorite stack of the week. I think of it as if you're playing a single entry lineup, who's the one quarterback to wide receiver slash running back tight end that you're stacking with. For me this week, it's going to be Dak Prescott to CD Lamb. I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I, I love that Seahawks-Cowboys game, but I mean, so does the field. There's going to be a lot of ownership there. So I'm trying to figure out how can I get exposure to that game and be a little bit different than everybody else. And for one, just Dak Prescott, a little bit less ownership than Russell Wilson. He makes a lot of sense. And then I look at his wide receivers and Cooper was good. Really, all of them were pretty good last week, other than Gallup was kind of just okay. But CeeDee Lamb, Jeff talked about it earlier. For somebody who had over 100 receiving yards last week, he's been the team's number two receiver. Just not enough ownership, in my opinion, given what I think that game environment is going to be. So I think Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb makes a ton of sense this week. Jeff, what is your stack of the week? Yeah, absolutely love that call. I, I Look, I mentioned the giant stack. Uh, you know, I, I like Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram. But, you know, as far as my favorite stack, like like what I'll be rolling more of, I'll, I'll, be, I'll go with the Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf. Uh, again, you're getting almost half ownership on title Lockett over Metcalf. And I like, I like adding Chris Carson in there too. He's the third leading uh, receiver for the Seahawks thus far. He actually looked really efficient in the past game. And I have to give him some kudos because I'm generally been anti Chris Carson my entire uh, life, but uh, like the dude gets it done one way or the other. And, and the coaches love him. Snap count went up. So I think that's a way to be really unique with your, your Russell Wilson lineups. You get him involved with, with Wilson, you get exposure, hopefully all the, the Seahawks touchdowns. So Terry, close us out. Favorite stack of the week. So, I mean, as the Josh Allen whisperer, I'd be remiss to at least not mention him here. Guy won me a lot a GPP last week. Uh, I love the spot for the Bills uh, and, and bringing it back with them again. But I'm actually going to go with the one that's in my placeholder lineup right now, and that's Matt Stafford. I uh, love the spot. We talked about it uh, for Detroit. I really think that game's going to go into a uh, pretty decent shootout. And I really like uh, the ownership on uh, one of his key receivers, and that's Marvin Jones. Uh, so that's who's in my placeholder here. I actually have a, uh, a duel uh, in here. I'll give it away. I've got Hawkinson coming uh, along for the ride with those two at the tight end. And then I'm bringing back, uh, who the heck am I bringing back? I'm bringing back Hopkins. And then I'm actually also grabbing a piece of that Dallas-Seattle game uh, with two players from that game. So I've got a uh, pretty specific lineup uh, zeroing in on two games with this one. Really like the way it comes together. So uh, yeah, that Stafford one is uh, my stack of the week. And there we go. Now it's no longer contrarian. That will close out the show for us this week, guys. Thanks for listening. On the way out, make sure to press the thumbs up button. Also subscribe to the awesome.com YouTube channel. Also, we have podcasts. All these things you listen to or watch on video, you could also listen to on audio. So you can listen to us on the, show, on, on the go. Listen to Awesome shows anywhere. Subscribe to the Awesome Podcast Network, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.